Man, it's good to see everybody back and so many people healthy. It's good. We do still have a few people that are, that are not healthy. Uh, Lindsay's mom is in the hospital now, and so remember to be praying for her and uh, that she would come home soon and get through all of this, this stuff. Um, and just a, a gentle reminder on that, like we appreciate that everyone is here not coughing. So if you do have a cough or a sneeze or a snotty face or one of those things, stay home. Listen to the podcast around 2.30 in the afternoon. That'd be great, uh, but otherwise, we're super grateful that you're here. Um, so today, we are uh, back in Mark, and we're going to look at kind of the first heavy parable that Jesus is going to, to really use. The next uh, few passages that we're going to look at over the next few weeks are going to be in the form of parables, uh, but in, in the book of Mark, this is the first heavy one that he's going to hit. Um, and there are, like, I love this particular passage um, and we've even talked through it in the life of origins. It's been a while, but, but we have. Uh, but there are some temptations to, of things to do with this particular parable, and, and there's a lot of directions that we could go, and we'll kind of winnow that down to the direction that we're going to go. Uh, if you're not super familiar with parables, man, Jesus used these to teach. He used, these to, he used a metaphorical story to convey an eternal truth or truths. And so when we read them, the temptation is to try to figure out every single possible metaphor in that particular passage, and so we're going to avoid that. Because if we do, it's really easy to do something called eisegesis, which is bad. That means reading things into Scripture. We want to practice exegesis, reading things out of Scripture. And so when you read a parable, you still have to keep in in mind a couple things. Number one, the context of the passage is hugely important. Because generally when Jesus was issuing a parable or using a parable, most of the time it was an answer to a question. There was something there, and he said, well, let me, let me answer your question. And he would do it in the form of a parable. So context is vastly important, immediate context. Biblical context, on the other hand, is vastly important, meaning keep an eye on the whole narrative of Scripture, the whole story of Scripture, and ask yourself, this metaphor, these conclusions that I'm drawing, do they line up with the rest of the Bible? And if they do not, we're drawing the wrong conclusions. Scripture is not going to contradict itself. It's going to inform on itself, and so we need to be careful when we read parables to practice good, uh, just, man, just solid, smart biblical practices. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to jump into Mark chapter 4. We're going to read about 20 verses, um, and I'll give you a little bit of breakdown as to what's, what's happening there. God, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you that through Jesus we could see the Word, we could see you with skin on, and we could hear uh, God, today as we look at your word, I pray that we do it well. Uh, we don't add anything or take anything away, uh, but God, the thing that we want is for you to speak. God, we, we love you, and we're grateful that we can sit as your family today to worship, to learn, to grow, and to be sent to this city for your glory. Uh, it is in your son's name we pray. Amen. So here we are, chapter 4, verse 1, and the way that he's going to do it, I'll go ahead and tell you, we're going to read straight through these first 20 verses. Uh, he's going to tell the parable. He's going to talk about parables in general, pardon me, and then he's going to explain the parable. We're going to read straight through, and then we'll, we'll come back around and, and talk about this. Chapter 4, verse 1 says, Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him, so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Now, just a side note, this is just about me. I love water. I love to fish. I've never taught from a boat, but man, that would be awesome. So anyway... Back to the scriptures at hand. So anyway, verse 2, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teachings he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. 
Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. Since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. And he said to them, who, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Verse 10 makes a shift. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about these parables. Then he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Confusing passage. He's referencing Isaiah 6. We'll come back and talk about that in in just a minute. Verse 13, And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? And then he explains, The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path. Where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown to them. And these are the ones sown on rocky ground. And the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. These are the ones who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. We have kind of an anomaly within Scripture here. It's, it's one of those times in which Jesus does stop and explain the parable, again, it's probably the first meaty, thick parable that the disciples, the twelve, plus those others that are around, actually get to hear. Uh, we've seen a few small parables in Mark so far. Nothing really thick, nothing really big. We talked about the, uh, the wine last week and a couple other things. But this one, and this one has a lot of depth and meat to it. And so this is one of those few times where Jesus kind of takes a moment and says, look, let me, let me tell you exactly what I'm saying. And so... There is this aside in the middle, which we'll come to, but uh, I'll tell you the temptation that we have with this particular passage. The thing, and it's, it's not a bad temptation, but it's the thing that we're not going to do today. We're going to do something different. I think normally when we read this passage, the question arises, um, and this is the thing that we pursue, which seed am I? Because there's four. We'll go through each one of those in just a minute. We'll talk about what he says, what that looks like. And I think the first compulsion in us, and it's okay, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm going to give you a direction of things to do if this is you. But the first question that most of the time we ask, we're like, oh, well, I'm hearing about these four seeds. I'm hearing what happened to them. Which, which seed am I? Completely natural and a good question to ask. And so if, if that's you, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. But if you read this and something in you is like, I, I just don't know, I don't I don't know. Have, has the word been stolen from me? Do I not understand? Have I been blinded? Have, has it been just a, have I been choked out by cares of this world? Am I bearing fruit? What, what, who am I? If that is you, um, I've got this right here. It's a super, yeah, really big instructions right now, okay? And I mean this with, with all of my heart. If you're confused as to where you are, who you are, who Christ is to you, all you have to do, email right there. Say, I want to know more. Text that number. Say, I want to know more. 
myself or, or, or one of the elders or one of the pastors or staff or one of our wives, we'll come and we'll meet with you. We'll meet you over coffee. We'll meet you over steak. Those are your only two options. I'm kidding. Um, there are plenty of other options. Um, we'll meet you over a grass smoothie if, if that's you. But anyway, that's fine. But I would love to talk about that. And any, any of our leadership would love just to have that conversation with you. Where, where do you fall in this? Where are you? Okay, that's our first, our first place. But today, what we're going to do, and again, there's those. If you want to take a picture of it, you can do it. Uh, if you want to come and just ask me afterwards, you can do that. But hey, and it's also, believe it or not, this is on a thing called a website. We have one of those. Um, it's amazing. It's originsgreenville.org. You can go to that, and all of that stuff's there. But just drop us an email, drop us a text. Uh, we would love to meet with you any time of the day. I'm serious. We'll, we'll stop whatever we're doing, and we'd love to talk to you. But today, what we're going to do instead is, is we're going to ask three questions. Three questions. And, and I'm going to go ahead and give you the three questions, and we're going to answer them. The first is the sower. Who is it? The sower that goes out and sows, and when he sows, he sows, he sows, he sows. So, who, who is that sower? We're going to ask that. We're going to answer it. The second question, um, what's the difference between the four seeds? Like the big difference. Like what really, what's the difference between those four seeds? We're going to ask. We're going to answer. The third, here's the big one. What is the fruit? What is the fruit? Those three. And again, if you don't know where you are, you want to know, email, text, we'll meet with you. But those are the three questions. Before we get to that, I do want to talk about these, these four seeds and just kind of give us a quick summary of each one because Jesus felt it necessary to talk about it to his disciples, the twelve and the others. The first, as we see, he says, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow, and when he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. In this particular time, everyone would have immediately understood what Jesus was talking about. This was an agrarian society. Most people either made their living through agriculture or they knew someone who did or, man, they even exchanged goods instead of money, goods like fruit and grain and that type of thing. This was normal happenstance. For us, man, we don't get it. We don't, we don't sow seeds. Uh, you know, my wife sows like material and fabric, but she doesn't, she sows a few seeds. But anyway, that's, that's the side. We, we just don't do that. And so the way that this would have worked, they didn't have a tiller, they didn't have a seed spreader, they didn't have any of those awesome things that we have that run off diesel. Um, you know, they didn't have that. So what they had was an elevated path in between their fields where they grew stuff. And this elevated path that would have been made of dirt, just dirt, you know, the stuff that blows in the wind, and when it gets wet, it turns into mud, just, just dirt. And on the outsides of that dirt, they would have rocks pushed up to keep the dirt from washing away. And on the outsides of that rock, it would be uncultivated, unprepared, just stuff. Weeds, briars. Remember briars as kids? Man, I remember briars as kids. Oh, my gosh, they were horrible. I mean, I probably still have some in my freckled legs that I pull out from time to time. And there would be those kind of things, weeds, briars, not good stuff. But then on the outside of that would be their target would be the cultivated stuff, the stuff that if they had a tiller, they would have run through it, the stuff in which the rocks were gone, the weeds were gone, all of that stuff was gone, just like good black dirt. We call it soil. I call it dirt. But either way, it was that stuff. And so when it was time to spread seed, they, they didn't run a machine. They didn't drop each seed in each individual hole because that would have taken years. Now what they would do is they would stand on this elevated path and they would scatter seed side to side. They'd reach into their bag, they'd grab seed, they would scatter seed side to side. Then they'd reach into their bag, grab seed, scatter it from side to side. And in the process, that seed would fall on four distinctly different places. The path, the rocks, the uncultivated, unprepared, thorny, thistly place, and then the good stuff. 
and that's where it would fall. And when he told this parable, just like in most parables, they would have been like, oh, I've, I've seen somebody do that. I do that. Saturday morning, I'm doing it again. They would have known exactly what it was. And he said, well, let me tell you about this parable. And he said, the first, the first seed that I'm going to talk about is the one that falls at the sower's feet. It falls on that dirt. And in that dirt, Man, there's nothing, there's nothing good there for that seed. There's nothing there. There's nowhere for it to dig into. There's nowhere for it to grow. The nutrients aren't there that it needs. And so when that seed falls right there in his parable, he said some seed fell along the path. The birds came, and they were devoured it. And then when he explained it, he said the sower sows the word. These are the ones sown along the path. When they hear, Satan immediately comes, takes away the word that is sown in them. As he explains, he's letting the disciples know, his 12 plus those few others, that this word being sown, this thing trying to be grown, is not physical, but it's supernatural. And there's a battle at hand. There are stakes, there are consequences, there are forces that are in opposition to one another. The sower and his desire that's been placed in him by someone else, which we'll get to, and then Satan. And this seed that's being sown, Satan, the enemy, does not want to grow. Does not want it to take root. Does not want it to thrive. Does not want it to flourish. Does not want it to reproduce. And if he has a chance, he will still kill and destroy. And he says that's that first seed that falls where it's not ready to grow along the path. Man, for us, I think we, we see these seeds in the form of people. Everywhere. Everywhere. Not going to give titles, not going to give names, but we know people in which the gospel is not real and the gospel is not a consideration. It is unwanted. 2 Corinthians 4 talks about this idea that the prince of the power of the air comes to blind the eyes of unbelievers, to steal the truth away. Understand that this gospel that we talk about, which we're going to talk about every single time that we gather it is entirely supernatural. It is not made by human hands. It is not uh, recreated by human hands. This is a spiritual issue. And it is in between two spiritual forces, that of God the Father and that of Satan who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. The disciples needed to know. We need to know. That's the first seed. The second seed, it fell in the place just beside, and it said, here are the seeds that they were sown on uh, rocky ground. Verse 5, it says, Others fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil. When the sun rose, it was scorched since it had no root, and it withered away. When he goes to describe that in verse 16, he says, And these are the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. These, they don't fall on dirt, they don't fall on soil, they don't fall in the thickets. No, they just fall on rocks, the place that's holding up the path. And when they fall, there may be a little moisture there that's left from the morning dew, just enough, just enough to sprout a little bit, but as soon as the sun rises, evaporates that dew, they get burned up too. They get burned up too. These are, the, maybe you, maybe me at some point, these are the ones that, that we hear the gospel and that sounds really, really good. That sounds really good. Like, yeah, yeah, I can be made right with God. All right, I like that. I can, I can be forgiven of everything wrong that I've been done. Okay, I like that. Sign me up. But then when the realization sets in that because of this God that we are claiming, because of this Christ that uh, we are also to be proclaiming, people are not going to like us. There's going to be persecution. There's going to be difficulty. There's going to be struggle. We're like, I'm out. I'm out. 
flamed up quickly, burned out just as quick. That seed fell on rocky ground. There was nothing there for them to grow into. But it sounds good, but there's nothing there. The third seed. Third seed, verse 7, it says, Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. When he's describing this one, he says in verse 18, And others, the ones sown among the thorns, they are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires of other things enter in and choke the word. And it proves, here are the words that you underline or highlight, it proves unfruitful. It proves unfruitful. Man, the New Living Translation, I love the way that it, that it puts this particular verse It just simply says uh, that I had it pulled up. There it is. This, this seed fell among the thorns represents others who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life, the lure of wealth, the desire for other things, so no fruit is produced. If we go to the book of Matthew in which this parable is being presented also, and, and there's actually a few other parables being presented here, there's also a parable a few verses later. It talks about a man who finds a field, and in that field he finds a great treasure, but it's not his field. But he finds something so amazing there that he goes and sells everything that he has just so that he can buy that field because what he finds there is of unsurpassing worth. The C3 category is someone that sees the gospel and Jesus is optional, but not primary. The gospel sounds good, but it's just an additional thing to life. It's another book on the shelf. It's an addendum, but it's not primary. There's no selling of your goods to buy it because of unsurpassing value. It says this seed, it grows, but it's choked out. And it proves unfruitful. It yields nothing. And that's, man, that's emphatic language. That it yields nothing. And there's that fourth seed. That fourth seed, and it says in verse 8, And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold, sixtyfold, and a hundredfold. He goes to describe this, as he says in verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones that hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit 30-fold, 60-fold, and 100-fold, 30 times more, 60 times more, 100 times more, a lot more. They bear a lot of fruit. It is easy to take these four seeds and say, man, where am I? What am I doing? If I'm not doing seed four, then I must be in trouble. Let me, let me explain this. There's nowhere in this particular passage that it says that if you are in the seed one category that you're never going to experience the word being sown in your life again. I'm not, I'm not saying that it will, but I'm not saying that it won't. It could. But what we are saying in this particular passage is that, let's be honest, the first three seeds, they proved unfruitful. That's the reality. They proved unfruitful. They did not do anything. So our first question, and we'll kind of inform a little bit more about each one of these as we go. The, the first question is, who is the sower? Who is the sower? These are good questions to ask when we read a parable. Like, ask three main questions. Who is this? What does this mean? What do I do? But the first is, who is the sower? 
I think if we take a very high spiritual view of this passage, which we should, in a sense, the sower, obviously, is is God the Father. There's that. But I think we also have to look at the fact that Jesus is speaking to people to inform them, to teach them, to guide them. At all times, he is discipling those disciples. And so we also have to understand that the sower, the sower is you and me. Any of us who have been redeemed by Jesus already experienced the word that has been sown into our lives. We are now the sower, or should be. We are the sower. Now, if we just place that just on God, we remove responsibility from ourselves. But the problem is Jesus squarely places responsibility on us from front flap to back map. And all of this word, responsibility, is placed upon our shoulders, in our heart, through our mouths, in our mind. There's no way around that. For those of us who know Jesus, we are to be the sower. We are to sow what has been sown into us. There's no way around it. Who is the sower? Now, there's obviously a choice to be made. Are you sowing what's been sown into you? Am I sowing what's been sown into me? Am I scattering the seed that once grew in me? Am I doing that? There's, There's that question, and that's a good one. We have to ask it a lot. Who is the sower? And I think when we ask who is the sower, we also have to ask and have to understand, well, what are, we, what are we sowing? What are we sowing? Now, this is a parable, so it doesn't use the word gospel, but it, it is implicit that it is. These are, these are words that bring about life, bring about regeneration, bring about growth, bring about all these things, but they also bring about something else that we don't often talk about, but we should in the scheme of discipleship. They also bring about reproduction. More seeds. More growth, all of those things over and over, which I don't want to give away the ending because I love, I love the ending. So who is the sower? It is those who the gospel has been sown into and have grown as a result, have claimed Jesus as their Savior. The Spirit is in us. God is our Father. We've been regenerated. We've been made new. We are now sowers. Second question that I think we have to ask and we have to answer is like, what's the difference between these four seeds? And there's one, there's one difference that we want to talk about. The big difference between these four seeds is all about where they fail. Where the seeds fail. Did they fall on the path? Did they fall on the rocks? Did they fall in the thorns? Or did they fall into that good black dirt? Where did they fall? It's all about where they fell. Because understand, there's no way that seed's going to grow in just that plain old foot dirt. It's not going to grow. It's going to get trampled on. It's going to get blown away. The birds are going to come and eat it. It's going to happen like in reality. There's no way it's going to grow there. You fall on rocks. If you farm at all, you know you can't grow stuff in rocks. Moss, but that's no good. It's just slippery. And you hurt yourself. But anyway, moving on. It doesn't do anything. Nobody wants to yield anything out of thorns. They don't want that. It doesn't grow. But, man, in that that fourth place, that fourth place, that good soil, that's what determines whether they grow or not. But here's, here's the thing. Good soil doesn't happen by accident. Before the sower ever sowed a seed, before he ever tossed a seed, do you know what he did? He went out there and he made that soil good. He removed the rocks. He removed the thorns. He tilled it. He gave it the nutrients that it needed before the seed ever fell. 
That's the sower's responsibility too. And if the sower is you, if the sower is me, yes, we take the seed, which we'll talk about in just a minute. We take that, but before we take the seed, we have to prep the soil. And just so you know, we're not talking about seeds and dirt. You know that. I mean, we're talking about the gospel in one hand and people in the other. The gospel goes to people. And this is a work of God, but He asks us to partner in this and do this with Him. There's no way the seed will grow unless the soil is ready. It's God's job, but He asks us to participate. The way that that works for us, I think um, we have to understand, number one, this is led by God. This is God's work, God's deal, God saves, God draws, but He asks men to partner with Him in this mission. And so it's His message, His gospel, His truth. But I think if we're entering in with responsibility and with biblical identity, number one, we, we need to understand this is not a weekend project. Okay, we can, we can go and get our backyard ready to grow stuff in a weekend, right? Like, I mean, maybe. I'm not. But, I mean, we could if we wanted to. We could go and we could tear it up. We could get all the rocks out. We could till it up. We could get rid of all the weeds. We could spray stuff that's completely good for the environment and kill stuff in 12 to 14 months. Whatever. We could do that. But I think in the scope of the gospel and in the scope of this seed, we have to understand this takes more than a weekend. This takes time. It takes perseverance. It takes dedication. It also takes understanding that what we are trying to grow is of unsurpassing worth. It's valuable beyond understanding. And the fact that God's even asked us to hold the seed, much less spread the seed, is huge. And in my opinion, it should not happen because we are not worthy to carry the gospel. But yet when he looks at us, as a result of the gospel, he sees Jesus, who's entirely worthy. And he says, yes, you may bear my name. Yes, you may bear my gospel. Yes, you may share and convey truth. Understand it doesn't happen in a weekend. I think the, the steps that we take, number one, like we talk about frequently, man, we pray for those names regularly consistently and over and over that God would work in their lives, allow us to speak to their lives, and that He would do a work that we can't imitate, that we can't possibly recreate, that we can't in our human terms make happen, but God can. So the first way in which we cultivate the dirt, cultivate the soil, is we pray. We pray that God would do His work that only He can do. That He begins to work in them, remove them from the path, remove them from the rocks, remove them from the thorns, and place them over here so that when the gospel is proclaimed, they hear and they accept, they understand, their heart is ready for roots. We pray. Not just for a weekend, not just for a, a 30 days, not just for 60, but we pray until God moves. We pray. The second and we live life with those who we are trying to share the gospel with. We live life with those whom we are trying to share the gospel with. And I know that that, man, in this day and age, maybe we don't even see them. Uh, maybe we've put ourselves in such a churchy bubble we don't have them. If you need to be around lost people, let me know. I'll put you around lost people. We'll find a place. Man, when I can get back in the gym, you can come with me. If you're off during that time of the day, plenty of lost people there. 
Miracle Hill, man, we serve there every single week. Plenty of lost people there who need to hear Jesus, need to hear about Jesus, with men, with women. Plenty of opportunities. If you have no lost people in your life, honestly, if you can't see any, maybe we just need to walk around you with a day and point them out. They're there. Pray for them. Live life with them. Share your life with them. Prepare the soil. See how it looks. See how it feels. It's not a weekend. Not a week. Not a month. Unsurpassing worth declares that we do it until we can't. Then the third is this, that uh, we listen and we're attentive, and when the Spirit says, cast the seed, we cast the seed. There's a lot of time of preparation that goes, but if you look at the sower and what he had to do, there was a lot of time and a lot of effort and a lot of sweat and probably a lot of band-aids if they had them applied before he ever scattered the seed. Sometimes that's what it looks like. Now, there are other times in life in which, man, there, the Spirit just prompts and we share the gospel and we leave and we never see that person again. That happens. We've seen it in Scripture. We, you've probably seen it anecdotally in your life. It may even be how you came to know Jesus. I don't know. But for the majority of our life, the majority of the way that we function, we are prepping soil so that we can share the seed. And there's a, here's another realization. There's a good chance that somebody else may share the seed, but you did the prepping. That's okay. Either way, there's a part to play. Responsibility to have. Unsurpassing worth declares it. And so we're attentive, we listen, and when God says scatter that seed, we scatter that seed. The seed's the gospel. If you don't know how to articulate the gospel, number one, look at your story. We'll say that over and over again. If you have been united with God through Jesus, indwelled by the very Holy Spirit, regenerated, made new, and now are living on mission with Jesus, for Jesus, to the glory of God, man, look at your story. Ask yourself, what was my life like before Jesus? How did he grab my attention? How did I respond? What's my life been like since? I can guarantee you the gospel resides right there. Start there. And then if you, if you still struggle with articulating the gospel, man, go to Scripture. Look at the words of Jesus. Ask, how did Jesus present himself to people? What did he say about sin? What did he say about uh, repentance? What did he say about all of those things? Look at Scripture. And if you can't get it from those two places, the phone number is up there. The, the email is up there. At some point it was. You don't have to put it back up. But either way, just ask a question. Ask your community group leaders. Ask the people that you know that, that live life with you that are following Jesus. Man, how do I actually share the gospel? It shouldn't take 30 minutes. It can. That's okay. But we should be able to articulate it pretty quickly. What is the gospel? How do I share it? And every situation, every life, every circumstance is going to dictate that we share it a little bit different, but it's still the same. We pray, we strive and live, and then when God says share, we share. The difference between the four seeds is all about where they fell. What they did is entirely determined about the condition of the dirt. Was it ready? Was it not? Was it hostile? Where did they fall? That's the sower's responsibility. And we're the sower. Now, we're equipped and empowered entirely by Jesus. But it's the sower's responsibility. And here's the beauty of that. It's the sower's, plural, responsibility. Last week, we talked about the necessity of understanding that we are family because of Jesus. Yeah, it's our responsibility collectively as the body, as the family. So the beauty of that is you may actually be the person cultivating, and your brother or sister may be the person sowing. Now, we can't trust that they're going to do it. You don't have to, but it's just the realization. That may be the way that it works. 
those kids back there, they're being cultivated, even though they're screaming right now. They're being cultivated right now, every single week. The rocks are being tossed out. The weeds are being ripped out. But parents understand, you may be the one that gets to sow the seed. To see your child go from death to life. Or it may be the opposite. You're cultivating, they sow the seed. Either way, responsibility abounds. A third question What exactly is this fruit? We've talked about the seed. What's the fruit? Now, most of the time, here's where our brain goes. I'm going to shorten this a little bit. When we hear fruit in Scripture, we automatically jump. If you've been around church for a little while, you jump to Galatians, right? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness, all of those things. That's where we jump. That's okay. That's okay. That's fruit to the Spirit. The fruit is determined by the seed, and the seed that we're talking about is the gospel, okay? Now, ultimately, the gospel is going to yield fruit to the Spirit. Hopefully, believers, Christ followers, are going to exude love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, all those things. Yes, over and over and over and over. Probably not all at the same time because we're still human. We're still fighting that battle, but that should come out of us. It should ooze out of us. But the seed and the fruit, different here. Different. The seed's the gospel, so what's the fruit? Generally, if we think in very agrarian terms fruit is an apple. It's great. I remember uh, probably 12, 13 years ago, um, a guy named Neil Cole. Uh, I, I kind of, my wife was working for the South Carolina Baptist Convention at the time in church planting, and I was just a Bible college student, and he needed a chauffeur back and forth a little bit. And he was a big man compared to me. Like, I'm, I'm a little guy, and we had a Toyota Corolla, and I was embarrassed to pick him up in the 97 Corolla, because I was like, he's not going to fit, because um, he was just a tall, big dude, and he even had patches on his, on his blazer, which made him even bigger, and so I was like, man, I- I've got to drive this guy around, and so in the process of driving around, I got to listen to him, I got to talk to him, I got to go and sit and listen, because he was brought in to, to talk to church planters about what it meant to, to plant a church and make disciples, and I remember talking to him about fruit that day, changed my life. I don't remember every sermon that I've ever heard. I don't remember every message that I've ever listened to, but there are a few that I I just remember. He talked about fruit. One thing that he said before he talked about fruit is he said, uh, though we long for fresh fruit, many of our efforts at growing it leave us with nothing but mud because we have failed to plant the seed that brings life. It does not matter how good you are at fertilizing, watering, cultivating, uh, and harvesting. If you do not plant the seed, you will never have a harvest. Never So number one, that was an urging and a call that we have to plant not just the seed, but the right seed. When God says go, we share. But he began to talk about fruit. And generally when we talk about the idea of an apple tree, this is what we think the yield is, right? And it is. You know, we've got this apple and and the the point of, of food and all of these things is to provide flavor and sustenance, nutrition. Like we need those things, right? But I think, and I don't want to cut myself because I've got one good hand right now. There's something else that we see in an apple. And if an apple didn't contain this, what would happen after all the apples fell off the tree? It would be the last apple tree you ever saw. The fruit is entirely determined by the seed fruit of another believer is another believer and another believer and another believer 
and another believer. It's not just the apple. Seeds produce seeds. We have to understand what we're sowing. And we have to understand the reason that we're sowing it. We're sowing it so that our grandkids, 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 grandkids can know Jesus too. We're sowing it because if we don't sow it, the tree won't matter anymore. We're sowing what's been sown into us so that someone else can sow what has been sown into them 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. We call it discipleship. We say we, we're going to invest what's been invested in us and we're going to turn that hourglass over in someone else's life. The fruit of an apple tree is not just an apple. The fruit of an apple tree is an orchard. Hear it, write it down, tattoo it on someone, not necessarily yourself, but the fruit of an apple tree is an orchard. We need to be in the orchard business, seeing that there are fields <laughs> ready for harvest. says about that fourth seed, it says, but those who were sown on good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it, and bear fruit. Thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. When was the last time you heard, if you've been here a while, I hope you've heard it a lot, that what's been sown in you needs to be sown into someone else? What's been invested in you and grown in you needs to be invested and grown into someone else so that they can do it again, so that they can do it again, so that they can do it again, so that many may know. Because if you haven't heard that, if we haven't said that, number one, I apologize, but if you haven't heard that, you need to. We need to. We must understand that our job is not to come and sit. Our job is not just to change the way that we behave. Our job is to see God change generations. Our, God, our job is to see God make revolution in individuals and in multiple peoples. Our job is to cultivate, is to sow, and watch God grow. That's it. In this little place in the middle, this aside, which can be vastly confusing, it's almost like that Spider-Man thing. With great power comes great responsibility. If you go and read in Matthew the way that it, it's, it's there, it's a little more, more language-driven. And, and Jesus is talking about the prophecy is being fulfilled from Isaiah, that there will be people that will, not, that will hear and not understand. There will be people whose ears will grow numb. They just won't get it. But then he tells them, but you, but you, but you, the message has been entrusted to you. The seed has been planted in you. You are blessed because you understand. And because you are blessed and because you understand, you are now the one who gets to share. 
Jesus knew that as great as he was, the plan was not for him to share the gospel with every single man, woman, and child so that they would have repeated opportunities to hear and respond. He knew that was not his job, but he knew that what he had to do was to plant that in others, give them the opportunity, and teach them how to go. Because in the words of Aunt May and Uncle Ben, with great power comes a great responsibility with things of unsurpassing worth being planted in us, comes great responsibility. So yeah, the question is, do you know that you're the sower? You should. You need to. Understand that what's going to determine whether or not that seed grows is, is that soil ready? So maybe get cultivating. And the third is to understand, man, the fruit of what we're after, what we're going for, not just better behavior, not just moralists. We want people changed and wrecked by the gospel. Changed and wrecked by the gospel to the point to where just like that man who saw that field and there was something in it that he wanted, he understood it was more valuable than anything that he had. And he had to have it. By the way, that's Jesus. That's Jesus. God, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. That because of the gospel being sown into us, we can know you. But God, we get to let other people know who you are and what you want. And God, you can redeem them too. Regardless of what seeds have been sown in their life previously, God, you can do a work in their life. You can redeem them. You can save them. And so that they can sow the seed of the gospel in someone else. God, thank you for allowing us to participate. Thank you for allowing us to carry the gospel, be changed by the gospel, and share the gospel. God, we love you. We thank you. And it's in your name we pray. The worship team is going to close us out with a song. and.